right, the book of Esther, just before Job and Psalms. We're just going to introduce the book of Esther tonight. And as many have said, I'm going to say as well, because it's true, that this is some book. This is some unique book of the Bible. And there are several unique things about the book of Esther. And the most unique thing to me is the fact that there is no mention of God in this book. Uh, No mention of His name. There are many names of God in the Bible, and we will not find one of them mentioned through this book. There is not a pronoun in this study that would lead in the direction of saying that God is being referred to here. Yet, there's a heathen king we're going to hear of several times, almost 200 times in the 10 chapters in this book. This book is never quoted over in the New Testament as so many Old Testament books are. It is a most unusual book. There there are no words of praise given to God in this book. We do not have a recording of a prayer to God in the scriptures that we have here. The author of this book cannot be determined. We find something else rare about this book and that it takes on the name of a woman. And I say that because only two books of the Bible are uh, titled after women. You have Ruth and you have this book here, which is Esther, obviously. And though we see the unusual... And the rare side of this book, we see the finger of God all through these scriptures. It is very heavy with the air of divine providence all the way through it. God's providence. Someone has called this book the romance of providence. Providence being God's proactive care, His special care that goes before us. God is directing all things toward His perfect will for all of our lives. And His will is going to ultimately prevail. If if we're used in it, or if we reject to be used in it, one way or another, God's will is going to be done. And we have a people in this book, the people Israel, and, and yet they are astray from the rest of Israel. Some have said out of disobedience they didn't follow as they should. Others have said they are held captive still in, in a different situation, and they're in bondage. Whatever the case we find that God cares about them right where they are, and He is working in their life. He cares about all the affairs of their life that's going on. You know, God runs the universe. He is almighty in power, and in His power, and in His provision, He is looking to care For all of His people, we find His providence, His providence, 
His arranging of things in our lives for our good, for His glory, to put us in the will of God. We find His providence all through this book. He is directing the outcome of this event that we're going to share over the summer. He's directing it toward His will for His glory. And let me just interject. We're going to close with some of this, but let me just say as we get started that whether we realize it or not, God is arranging or rearranging things in our lives for a purpose, for His purposes. We need to be sensitive to things that are arranged or rearranged. And rather than get frustrated or, or even if it's something great, if things are falling in a great way, it, hey, what, what is God doing in this? We need to be very sensitive to what God is up to in our lives, whether it be pleasant circumstances or difficult circumstances. But, but as far as introducing this book tonight, I thought about different ways to introduce it. And the way I have chosen to do so is just by mentioning five characters in this biblical account that we have of Esther. And so we're just going to go through five of them. And the first one we're going to see, in the, well, in the very beginning of the book, in verses 1 and 2, we're going to share... Ahasuerus, you wouldn't believe how many times I have said that name and it still doesn't come out easy. Ahasuerus, let me just practice a minute, Ahasuerus, King Ahasuerus, all right. Chapter 1, verse 1, now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. This is Ahasuerus, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia over an hundred and seven and twenty provinces, that in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace. This is a Persian king. He was the husband of, of Vasti, or Vasti, however you want to say it. I say Vasti, and Vashti. And then the husband of Esther. He was a man of power and he reigned from India to Ethiopia. Along with that power he had came a lot of pride. He didn't handle that power he had very well. He was pretty showy with it, you would say. He had agenda attached to the things that he did. You didn't see something genuine. You saw agenda in what he did. And, and so he made this giant feast. And he spent a lot of money on it. And he made sure, made sure he had a lot of guests that were there. And he spent tons of money on alcohol. And, and it was a very expensive feast. And, and hidden in it was his agenda. And there are political things uh, I won't go in, into that we will go into later uh, concerning his agenda in the feast that he made. And he was a drunken king. And while soaked in his intoxication as a, as a drunk husband, toward the end of this feast that he had, he ordered his wife that his wife would 
come before the drunken men and do some things, and she refused to do so. And this took her away from her position as queen. It resulted in the severing of her from King Ahasuerus. And you know, as you think about it, and, and we have in the text that we're going to see through the study that it was in drunkenness that he did what he did, you know, it's easy to think about the, the regret that would come with that. And, and I would say there's no doubt the king regretted this and would not have done it if he were alcohol-free. But, but here he was, a king, and by Persian law, when something was passed, it couldn't be revoked. So it couldn't be undone that he did away with his queen, his wife. So he had to live with the results of, you know, you could say his abuse of power, his agenda, his pride, his drunkenness. He did, however, promote a very great man that we're going to read about and, and learn about a little bit tonight. I mean, that man uh, reported something that would save his life. And so who wouldn't promote him? But he did promote a great man, and that's a good point in him. But when you think about King Ahasuerus and you look at him all together, if, if we were to make five points for a character study, we're not going to go through that study, but just five points on this king, one point would be his sensuality because he had a love of carnal pleasure. His fickleness, he had a changeability concerning his loyalty and affection. And then he had a lack of forethought. He had agenda on his mind and what he wanted, but he didn't think well about all the results that could come about from what was being done. And then you could say that he was a dictator. Dictatorship would be a characteristic lined item for him, an abuse of power. And then just downright cruelty. He exercised his power in a very oppressive way. And so there's King Ahasuerus. But we also have Queen Vashti. She's not in the book very long, but while she's here, we're going to talk about her and we're going to introduce her tonight. Something that's well known about her is that she defied the king. The king commanded her to do something and she refused. She said no. In most cases, that's not a good thing to have done. You don't defy the king. You don't disobey him. But in her case, it resulted in obeying God that she would disobey him. She is known for defying the king, but she is well known by what we can take from the scriptures here as being a woman of modesty. She was exalted in modesty. She was a, a Persian princess from birth. She was regal and she was beautiful. She was the wife of King Ahasuerus. He wanted to display her beauty. He had had his big banquet 
and all of the carousing and all of the drinking that had gone on among a, a meeting of men. And then he wanted to bring his wife in among this meeting of men and display her beauty. She wouldn't stoop to that standard. She, obvious, she refused. She wouldn't lower her modesty. Her husband had great power, but he could not persuade her away from these obvious values that she had. I don't think it was just that she didn't like him or she was mad at him. I mean, to defy the king, there had to be a strong reason for doing so. So she was disgraced by her drunken husband, is what I see, and, and sent away. She has only a small showing in a portion of this book, but she shines from the time we learn of her. She refused to cheapen herself by putting her beautiful face and her body before drunken men at this banquet. She's the model example that the loveliness of a woman is not to be used for the lust of men. The king offends the queen's modest convictions. And as a result of her refusal to his demands, well, she was sent away. Vashti's experience made me think of, uh, of another character study I wanted to do. We had, we had two weeks of Awana, and it seemed like a good time to break up and start a new study, but I, but I had one more, and, and then I decided, no, we're not going to do that, and, and we started in Esther, and as soon as we get in Esther, and as soon as we get to Queen Vashti, I see the... I see the Bible character in her that I was going to speak of. It's actually twofold. Because Peter speaks of the well-doing sufferer, and he also speaks of the evil-doing sufferer. 1 Peter 3.17 says, For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You know, those who do wrong are going to suffer because sin pays. We, we, we pray not, and we pray for the turning from sin, but, but sin pays. It, it, it pays, and it pays in consequences that are going to, to come no matter what. The evildoer will reap what they have sown. No one gets away with it. That's the, the future consequence is there, and you can count on it coming. And, and so you have you have the evil-doing sufferer. But, and I want to, and I mention them so that we can, I'm not going to say be sold on, but, but place faith in the well-doing sufferer. Because we're not just on board with that so easy. But we need to be. Peter says it's better to suffer for well-doing. It's better to suffer for doing good Jesus did, and anyone who lives by the Word of God is going to suffer for doing good. It's a lot better than suffering for doing evil. How do we keep from being discouraged in suffering for doing good? Because we know where our mind goes. 
We think, man, we're doing what's right. We're doing what we should be doing. We're, we're following the Lord. And, and yet, yet we're going through a difficult time in doing so. It just doesn't seem fair. It shouldn't have to be that way. That goes through our mind, but we need to keep from being discouraged in this. Let's look at it this way. We're going to be on one side or the other of most every event. We're either going to suffer for doing good or suffer for doing evil. Now seriously, when it gets down to it, which side would we rather be on? We'd rather suffer for doing good than suffer for doing evil. It's, it's likeness to our Lord Jesus Christ. I say all of this because Vashti suffered for well-doing. She couldn't have left the presence of the king as any more of a queen than she was. She is to be honored for her pure values. She couldn't have stepped down with any higher class than to have the modesty that we see in her refusal to do against what God would have her to do. She chose to live in honor rather than luxury. You know, she lost all the, the, the royal, you know, assets that came about with her position. But she chose honor. Let's move on from Queen Vashti, though, and let's look at, at Mordecai. He was a Benjaminite. And talk about doing good. Man, thank God for this guy. He saved the king who wasn't worth saving in most people's eyes, but he was able to take a report to him of a plot that was coming against his life, and it resulted in the saving of his physical life. And then he invested in an orphan. He took this child in, and I mean he invested in this child fully to raise this child and, and to give this child the best possible example and the best life that he possibly could. And her life showed that positive change from what he invested in her life. So it's King Ahasuerus's life, obviously, that was targeted. And there was a plan to kill him. Mordecai found out and he reported the plot to the king. It saved his life, and Mordecai was pro promoted to a high office in the king's court. And this orphan that he raised was the main character of this book, Esther. He invested in her life. She was his uncle's daughter, and he fully took on being a foster father. He raised her right up to the point of her being elevated to the position of queen. And even after becoming queen, she still listened to his advice. When she was up on her uh, royal place, she took his, his advice. Advice, by the way, that led to the survival of many Jews. 
And what, the, and what the survival of many Jews was about was a man named Haman. I'm not going to say much about him, but Haman is noted for hating the Jews. He hated the Jews, and he tried to trump King Ahasuerus in, 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 in order that all Jews be killed. And, and so that's what we're going to have with Haman. He, he hated the Jews, and he wanted them killed. But the providence of God was going on in this. And so now we get to Esther, whose name means star. It's implying uh, a good fortune. And she was a star of joy, of hope, and of superiority for her people, the Jews. Her name means star, and she truly lived up to her name, and she shined with a very rich luster. Before saving her people, the Jews, though, she hid herself. She hid her background, her heritage as Jewish from the king. She grew up in the guardian's home and due to the death of both her mother and her father, she, she had a foster dad. She obeyed him. She respected him as though he were truly her father. He treated her as though she were truly his daughter. I tell you what, when, when these unfortunate things happen in life, whether it be the death of the parents or whether it be the choice of the parents, that they have no parents, God in His providence has a way to fill in the gap and make the very best for someone. There's nothing like a child having both of their parents in their lives. There's nothing like it. But when, that happen, when it doesn't happen that way, God has a way in His providence of making other things happen. Here, both of her parents have died, and she had Mordecai who cared for her as she was truly, truly, his daughter. And he gave some great advice. He gave some very bold advice. He gave advice that you would only give someone that you had invested your life in and they truly trusted you to be able to receive the advice. And she was to go before the king over the killing of the Jews that was appointed to take place. She being a Jew herself. First of all, to go before a king unannounced without, without an appointment made, if you will, just that alone could get one killed. She had to risk her life to do what she did, to follow Mordecai's advice, and she did it. Between the wisdom of Mordecai and the courageousness of Esther, the Jews were saved from death. You know, and if you back up a little bit, here it is Esther who's chosen to be queen. Vashti, she is removed and out of the picture, and, and so all of these women are brought before to be chosen from. And out of them all, Esther, this Jewish woman, is the one who was chosen. And there's a key verse that we have in this book, and we'll find it in chapter 4 and verse 14, and a very popular 
phrase of this verse. I'll go ahead and read it all. But she was chosen among many to be the queen. And the Bible says, for such a time as this. Verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth? whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Her being in the palace and being queen now, it wasn't the drawing of straws. It's no accident that Esther became queen in the palace. She was in this royal position for a reason. The Bible doesn't say that she was made queen for a special reason by God, but it doesn't have to. We will clearly see it as we go through this study that the providence of God has moved in every detail of this. It's easy to see the divine leading along the way. And as you and I go through this study, may we trust and know that there is divine guidance that is going before us and arranging things for our lives just as well as for Esther. There is such a time as this for you and I, and it actually comes often we might consider some events bigger and greater in our lives than others. But we have no idea what God is doing through the small things that we, think, that we classify and categorize as in happening. There is such a time as this in our lives as well as Esther's. And just like Esther's divine appointment to save her people, her time that she was in, that she was appointed to, was for the saving of her people. And with us, God is putting us in a place to be able to assist others. To the arrangement of our lives is in such a way that we would be able to be of, of an assistance to someone else. To be a blessing in the lives of others. You know, that, and that doesn't always come in a popular way, by the way. You know, there, 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 are, there are many different situations that will be our such as time as this to be able to help. And, you, you know, it's clearly going to be seen, the blessing in it sometimes. Other times it's not going to be so easily seen. You know, but the most important assistance that someone needs in their life is spiritual, spiritual assistance. That we might be someone who can be of spiritual help in the lives of others. It's no accident we work where we work or the direction of where we work or go to school changes. God has something down that next road that He wants us to do. He always is arranging things in such a way 
that we can be of a help in someone else's life. Consider the lost people that we pass in this world who need to be saved. The gospel needs to be shared. You know, and some people do not understand their spiritual need. You've shared the gospel with people and they have been a very abrasive back and told you they are not in need of the gospel you want to share. That doesn't mean that that wasn't such a time as this for us, that we be there to share the gospel, that they would, that they might unfortunately reject it, but we're to be there to be faithful to share it. I think of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who had not one convert, but he was faithful to God. He was faithful to teach and to preach to the people to turn from their sins and turn to the Lord. It's not always going to be easy in such a time as this as we're in, but we need to be faithful to God. It wasn't easy in Esther's case. It could have cost her her life. And it's going to cost us a lot of inconvenience, a lot of displeasure in our lives sometimes. Or maybe it'll be just like we want. It'll be just the delight that, that collides between two people whenever you meet and you go to help someone. But whatever the case, that's, that's really not the point. The most important point is we're here to fulfill our purpose from God whether it requires risk or even the appearance of harm. As we go through our days, you know, think about, think about Esther. And all of a sudden, here she's in this group of women, and she's chosen to be queen. Her life completely became rearranged. Here she was in a totally different atmosphere, a totally different position, and God was behind the scenes. The providence of God was at work. You can believe that about yourself because God loves you and He wants to use you. And He wants to use me to do His work, to do the things that He has for us to do upon this earth. So let's not forget about that when He rearranges our lives in some way and sends us in a different direction. It might be a direction we like. It might be a direction we don't like. It might make us uncomfortable. It might make us uncertain in the moment. But where someone might look at this book and say, where's God? Someone might look in their life and say, where's God? In a, in a time of their life being flipped upside down. But God's there the whole time. He's, he was here the whole time. And he's in your life and my life the whole time, even when it's rearranged in an unpleasant way. We need to remember that in those times because he wants us to use us for something particular. And he works through circumstances to send us in that direction. His unseen hand is providing an occasion for us to be used by Him right now. Right now. That doesn't mean we're going to know it immediately. It just means we need to be still and know that He is God. We are to be used by the Lord in the lives of others. 
And you know where there can be risk involved, where there can be some harm involved? It's so much more dangerous to reject it and to be one foot outside the will of God. That is, you know, there, there are things that would make us uneasy to do for the Lord. But that one step outside of His will, that's a much more scary place to be. And so though this book doesn't mention the name of the Lord, we're going to see that this is one of the Lord's true books. And it's my prayer that we will all be changed as a result of this study. And that one highlight that we will personally be able to apply is the providence of God goes before my life. And He is arranging things in my life. And before I complain, before I get discouraged, before I question, I'm going to wait and see what it is that God might be doing. May we be so ever sensitive to the will of God and what He may be bringing into our lives through circumstances that seem so strange to us. And with that, we're, that is the introduction to this book. I'm always tempted to, to start into the study during the introduction, but, but we, have, we have laid it out in one way anyway tonight. And so I pray that we're all able to, to make this study for the summer. And we will have two interruptions, we, which are good interruptions, though. We will have vacation Bible.